Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Footballers DFS podcast with your hosts Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. It's July. You've made it here. I'm your host Kyle Borgannoni, and joined as always with Matthew. I've been on the road, Betts. Oh. It is so true. Been on the road, traveling, moved from Vermont to Pennsylvania over the last three or four days. Uh, have had a crazy month, man. I mean, had the twins, uh, got an infection from the spider bite, which, by the way, is healing quite nicely, I might add, um, and decided to move our family from Vermont to Pennsylvania to be closer to our family where we're both from. And the twins crushed it, man. I mean, hardly made a peep in the car, spent two nights in the hotel. They've already been to three states in their short, uh, young lives, but... They have uh, they've done well, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to just be in a place, get back to work, focus, and all those sort of things. So happy to be here, dude. That is quite a start to life if you think about it. Like, hey, what'd you do when you were born? Oh, I was born with uh, my twin, and then uh, just traveled across a couple of states. Like, I didn't travel across states for like y- years and years. I know they're already they're already well above uh, expectation. So what you're saying is you've bred two human beings who are just way ahead of the curve. Absolutely. That's, that, that, that's what I'm saying. That's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> well, we're glad you're with us today. We're going to be talking about best ball league winners. Uh, as Bets and I kind of gear up for July, we head into August, start talking about DFS content. Um, I know you and I behind the scenes have already started talking about the DFS pass and everyone that gets to be a part of those conversations each week. This year, we're definitely building out more of interaction on our Discord channel. I feel like that's been popping recently of people getting in best ball contests, uh, just talking here and there. You and you and I are giving out some just freebies here, here and there. So yes, if you want to be a part of everything we're doing, that's in the Ultimate Draft Kit. The Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, as you're hearing this, we just released the Draft Analyzer. So if you have Redraft, you have Dynasty. We get to grade your teams. We can tell you if you're dumb or not. But more importantly, uh, we kind of get to redirect you and tell you, here's a good plan for your team and how to take the next steps. It even works for Superflex, which is a great segue by me. Uh, that was pro, pro podcasting, Kyle. Dude, I've done this for a little bit, just a little bit. But the quick question I want to talk about is a tournament that just came out on Underdog. It's called the Puppy But Superflex, just a $5 entry. 
And Underdog made available a contest where a lot of people were asking for Superflex. My question for us is, how does this change our strategy? You and I have talked a ton about Best Ball Mania. Uh, we talked about 12-man leagues, how to approach that. Last week, we talked about stacking. So with Superflex, how does that change how we view things from a Best Ball context? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it a lot in these standard formats on Underdog and other Best Ball platforms that, you know, you don't have to necessarily take quarterback super early, but you can kind of wait to that middle tier around 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. In Superflex, it's the exact opposite. You do not want to be the one getting cute in the first round or two and avoiding quarterback. This is the time to take them early and take them aggressively because 14 quarterbacks right now on Underdog have an ADP inside the top 24. If you pass on quarterback in those first two rounds, you're relying on quarterback types like Justin Fields, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, you know, et cetera, to be your quarterback one. And we know just the chances of those guys being able to compete with the Josh Allens and Lamar Jacksons of the world is pretty slim to none. So you're kind of behind the eight ball. If you pass here, this is not the spot to get cute. I would make sure you're leaving your super flex drafts with at least one quarterback from the first two rounds and probably two from the first four rounds. Yeah, and if you think about it, we've talked so much last week about advance rates and what quarterbacks need to do, but because so many quarterbacks are all shoved together, there's you know little margin for error for you. If you're going to say, hey, I'm going to wait. I was in a draft where somebody's first two QBs were Mac Jones and Jared Goff. You're not going to get a leg up on the competition from those two. Sorry, um, it's just not going to happen. So what I would recommend, yes, is take at least one quarterback in that range and you're trying to make it up in the rest of your draft. Like you're saying, I have better evaluations for my running backs or wide receivers. At quarterback, you're trying to not get too cute. So I'm in a draft where, you know, it was really simple. I took Kirk Cousins and Trey Lance. Not not super crazy in that middle tier. I think it's totally fine. Or I was in a draft where it was Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow. It's fine. I think the bigger question is, what do we do with a third quarterback in that type of format? What have you done so far? Yeah, well, what I've seen is just because the quarterback scarcity is so real, people panic and they'll reach for names like kind of you said, you know, Mac Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, Carson Wentz. They'll kind of reach for those guys and they're therefore getting pushed up the board. So what I'm doing is if I take one or two early, especially if I take an elite one, Josh Allen, Lamar, Pat Mahomes, you know, I'm kind of relying on their score most weeks. We always talk about it. You draft as if you're right. So if I have an elite quarterback and a really solid QB2, maybe a Kirk Cousins, like you said, I'm pretty much set for most weeks that I'll probably pass on that quarterback three of like, you know, Wentz, Goff, if they get pushed up the board. Now that said, if they fall as value, definitely scoop them up because we are concerned about uh, bye weeks here. We have to start one quarterback and we almost always want to be starting two. But I think in those scenarios, you know, if you do go that route and you pass on those guys, don't be afraid to take a shot on a QB three or QB four late who could start some games. Maybe someone like a Matt Corral, uh, comes to mind. So that sort of strategy, I think, is pretty viable this year. Yeah, I'm finding somebody like Baker Mayfield, who, you know, there's news about him being Seattle. Who really knows? He's not going to be a Brown, it seems like. Those are the kind of quarterbacks you can take a chance on. I'm currently in a spot where it's the sixth round, and I'm noticing that there are wide receivers that are just pushed down the board. Because in this format, we're only starting two, you know, I don't think nine or 10 receivers is something that you need to be pursuing at all. Like I'm fine with seven or eight, especially if you get one of the elite ones. So I have Justin Jefferson on this roster and I'm in the sixth round. I have my two quarterbacks. I have two running backs, but 
I'm asking myself the question, like, man, there's these wide receivers that I would never get in a normal best ball draft in the sixth round. Like, Jalen Waddle, I would love to be able to get him in the sixth round. But Jared Goff's also on the board. So where do you lean in terms of roster construction? Do you feel like you can make it up with wide receiver later? Yeah, I think it's just because of the starting requirements, right? Like you said, you're only starting two, maybe three if you count your flex. Um, and so in, unlike normal formats where you have to have, like you said, maybe eight, nine, ten wide receivers, like I found myself, especially if I have a couple of elite guys, only taking six in this format or seven seems viable. So definitely a little bit of a different strategy with wide receivers because they get pushed so far down the board. If you pass on Waddle in round six, I mean, you could get a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown in round seven or eight. You know, it's not like you're missing out that much on those types of players. So you can definitely make up for it a round or two after, you know, where these guys are going. Are you telling me I should stack Lions? What could go wrong? I mean, I do have a futures ticket, man, on them to win the division. So I would I would definitely advise it. People all the time say that Betts and I agree too much. And it's because behind the scenes, we duke it out so like a ton in terms of I like... I beat Kyle I, up twice this week already. I know. He took my lunch money. But on Slack, mostly you and I are like, I give a take. And you're like, dude, I do not feel that way at all. So we try to yeah. make sure for the show... <laughs> I will adamantly disagree that I think the Lions, that is it. You are lighting your money on fire. There is no way the Lions will win that division. I mean, dude, don't you want to have fun this year? Come on. We all love cheering for the Lions. I have a lot of money. I, not a lot of money, but I have a lot of good tickets <laughs> on the Vikings to win that division. Fair enough. All right. We're going head to head. Obviously, I think the Vikings have a be much better chance than the Lions. I just thought there was good value. No, and I thought there was good value on the Vikings too. Like I get the the Packers are the favorite, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk more. I want to check in on some of those tickets that we have from May. We'll probably do a show later on in July where we'll talk about forecasting again. Um, if you missed out on those shows, you and I kind of walked through each team. There's articles on the website about win totals and uh, just our stances and what we feel like there were market inefficiencies. So. Yeah, if you want to join us, you can go to fantasyfootballers.com. You and I are putting out content all the time, including a running backs to take a stance on article that you just put out. But if you're here, you're here for best ball and best ball league winners. So let's talk about it. Best ball bonanza. This episode is going to be a blitzkrieg of us giving some thoughts about league winners, including at the very end, we're going to do something called rapid round where we just fire away at some questions about uh, best ball league winners, players that are showing up on our rosters, players that I would say you and I want people to have on the rosters. We're not saying to go overweight. Uh, I, I checked my exposures. I don't know if you've been doing this bets, but I checked my exposures after like three weeks and I was like, wow, I have way too much Adam Thielen. Why is that? Why is that happening? And I realized like I hadn't done that many drafts, so it looked like he was way higher. Uh, but is there any surprises so far for you of like player exposures of like, whoa, this is this is a lot. I have way too much. I'm on our St. Brown and I need to back <laughs> off. <laughs> I've talked myself into <laughs> to him. Here we go. Go Lions um, where he was going, you know, earlier in the best ball season. He's getting pushed up a little bit now. So maybe I'll back off. But I think there's a chance he pops off this year. I need to check my exposures. I might have drafted him once. It's I. We'll talk about another Lions player later, another Lions wide receiver that I really like, that I've drafted a ton. There's a little tease for you. But so far, you and I have talked about opportunity costs and win rates. We spent a whole week on what that means that when you're drafting players, it's not just do you have a player take 
I think this player can be a top 12. What are they going to do with their ADP to be able to make it up for your team? And what is the opportunity cost? What are you missing out on when you're taking this player? So, for instance, Travis Kelsey last year was a 6th overall pick. This year, he's the 11th overall pick. That's still a really high opportunity cost for a tight end in round one to pay off. And Travis Kelsey last year had a 13% advance rate. Travis Kelsey, I'm just going to say it, was one of the worst picks you could make for your draft last year. I won't toot my horn here, but I just totally faded and I was scared. But it was just so much to pay his draft cost. But I feel like the ongoing joke that I have with you is that... Every single first-round player has to do so much to pay off that I <laughs> I end up just saying, let's just never take a first-round player. You're on the clock. You just hit pass. You'll just, I'll just take two in the second. <laughs> Don't give me a first-round pick. It's so true, though, man. I mean, the, these guys that go in the, round, in the first round, they have to do something special to actually contribute to your best ball roster. Now, everyone's taking someone in round one. So, of course, you're going to take these guys and you'll hit some, you'll miss on some. But yeah, just ask yourself the question, what does this guy have to do at his ADP to be a league winner? Because that's what it's all about. We can name Josh Allen and, and Jonathan Taylor all day to say they're going to win you your league. But at their ADP, are they going to win you in your league? That's the, the real takeaway here. So today we're going to quantify and qualify what we mean by league winners, because at each position, it's a little different. Um, like you said, like Jonathan Taylor, is he going to be a league winner at the 101? historically speaking, the 101 is a really tough spot. And in fact, it's been a Christian McCaffrey spot. Uh, I went back. There was a 101 at wide receiver one year who went ham and was really good. It was Antonio Brown. Um, but other than that, it's it's a tough spot. So obviously you have to pick there if you get the spot. Everyone's getting a first round pick. But we want to quantify and qualify. So in other words, when we say league winner at quarterback, we can't just say there's an unending amount. Like, I don't know, there's probably going to be six to eight quarterbacks that we would say are difference makers this year and you know running back wide receiver tight end we're going to go through those but when we say league winners at quarterback here's what I mean I want at least three spike weeks of 25 plus fantasy points like if you can give me that that's awesome or you're giving me seven six or seven top 10 performances so Kirk Cousins was an awesome example of this last year uh he had a 24 percent advance rate he had the spike weeks, and he actually had the consistency. And even better, his ADP was 152. So that's kind of what we're looking for is the combination of all those things. They have a good ADP. They can hit those spike weeks. And last year, we saw eight quarterbacks that had above a 20% advance rate, meaning those quarterbacks got you to the playoffs in underdogs best ball mania. Is there any names on this list that stand out to you from last year that was a, quote, league winner? I cannot believe this name is on the list. Listeners, there is a name on this list that looks like Jordan Love, if I'm reading that correctly, Kyle. Um, explain yourself. All right, so Jordan Love actually ended up with a 20% advance rate, uh, and I wrote about this on the on on the site. But basically, Jordan Love, he started, what, one game last year? And I, I, Honestly, I forget. I don't even remember. It was, it was only one game, and it was more of who he was stacked with. People stacked him with Aaron Rodgers. And that's kind of what, so his is kind of a loophole. He's what I call the Eno Benjamin principle. Like he was on your roster in the 18th round. He didn't help, but who he was drafted with helped you. But the other name that's on here is Carson Wentz. Um, I looked this up. He wrote on the back of Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, but he was so late in your draft pick 175 that if he was your quarterback two or three, 
uh, he actually did have some spike weeks. Like he, I think he had three spike weeks that were good enough to help your team. Uh, but at the top was Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and then those two guys we just mentioned. So I'm going to let you go first. Your league winner you have on here is Tom Brady. I feel like you've said this before, but say it again because I feel like this is your take last year, and you were right. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady is a guy that I always want to bet on, even when he's what he's I want to bet years old. I mean, how can you go against this man at this point from what we've seen? But this was in my article on the site, you know, quarterbacks to take a stance on. And what I'm looking for with a league winner at quarterback is opportunity cost, like you said, and ceiling. And if you talk about spike weeks, you are going to get that with Tom Brady. You put, you know, in our criteria, you want three plus weeks of 25 plus points. He's going to give us way more than three weeks of that because of how much this team throws. I get that maybe the efficiency won't be there. You don't have Gronk, you know, allegedly. We'll see. He'll come back at some point, I think. Um, you might not have Gronk, Chris Godwin coming off the injury. But the reality is this is a Tom Brady-led offense. They are going to throw the ball. One of the highest rates in football. No offense has thrown more than the Bucks over the last two seasons. And what's even more important when we look for spike weeks is pass to a three touchdown performance or more. And Tom Brady is going to give us that because the Bucks were top five in pass rate, not only in the red zone, also in the 10 zone last year. Brady leading the league in that category. So give me the touchdown upside with Brady. Give me the fact that you can stack him with guys who I think could have a high win rate in Mike Evans in round two. Um, you're getting Russell Gage a little bit later, these tight ends. I mean, there's there's guys and there's ways to do it with Tom Brady that you don't have to pay that premium like you do with Josh Allen and Seth Diggs. So Tom Brady at quarterback nine, I think he goes uh, or finishes, I should say, higher than that. We should not be shocked if he finishes as a top five quarterback again this year. This is how good Brady was last year. There are three wide receivers that you can find in the top 10 for wide receiver uh, advance rates last year. All right. Three Buccaneers. I was shocked. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, clearly there. Antonio Brown, if he would have finished the season, would have totally been there. He was an awesome steal uh, until he decided to quit. <laughs> but actually, Tyler Johnson was in the top 10 for wide receiver advance rates. Not because of what he did. He added 15 points to best ball rosters. Like, not helpful at all. But what Tom Brady did. That's how great he was. And he elevated those. And Tyler Johnson was in your draft. So I can't argue with Brady. I do think the passing volume could come down a little bit. Like, I think that they don't need to win games, you know, 35 to whatever. I think that it could come down, but I can't argue with QB9, 80th overall. Like, in that QB window we talked about, love Tom Brady. I'm going to mention two names, and you tell me which one I think you want to talk about more. It's Trey Lance, all right? I'm, I'm going to be talking about Trey Lance more and more, QB11 or Kirk Cousins at QB15. I put two names on here because I love them both. And I can't figure out which one to talk about, so I'll let you pick. I mean, I think we've talked about Trey Lance enough. I mean, we we know that there's upside. I, I think I said it on the last show or maybe two ago that he is this year's or last year's uh, Jalen Hurts, where we haven't seen it yet, but you know what he can be. And uh, that's the rationale. I mean, quarterback 11, he could easily finish as a top three quarterback if he runs enough. So I am 100% with you. I want to hear your thoughts on why Kirk Cousins could be a league winner. You mentioned last year he was going around pick 150, so he didn't have to do as much last year to outperform. This year he's going at uh, 117 overall, quarterback 15, but you think he's going to finish higher than that. Tell me why. Yeah, I still like that price. I, I think overall in ADP he's been pushed up, but QB 15, you're asking yourself, can he beat that? Can he be a top 12 quarterback? I love the news coming out about this team wanting to be more pass happy with Kevin O'Connell, their new head coach. 
And here's the thing about Cousins. Over the last three years, his TD rate is 6.2. That's the fifth best in the NFL. Last year, he had nine quarterback one performances. And then, I don't know if this is just a fluky thing he's had the last couple years, but he's been awesome on the road. Like, we always think about the Vikings in dome games, but on the road, he's averaged 23 fantasy points per game. Like, that's really close to our spike week meter that we like. We obviously love Justin Jefferson. I think... I think you and I are almost on the same page that I personally, in my rankings, I have Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup. And are you at that point where you're like, I, I can, I think I'm there? Yeah, I mean, it's like you're, you know, you're splitting hairs. So like, the answer is I want both these guys at some point. But I found myself taking Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup, despite my rankings saying I like Cooper Cup over Justin Jefferson. And it's because I think Justin Jefferson can be last year's Cooper Cup. I mean, you're t- talking about the offensive coordinator coming over to be the head coach from the Rams to Minnesota. I think they're going to throw, uh, like you said, a lot more than they did last year as you get rid of Mike Zimmer's kind of old-fashioned run-first scheme. And, you know, you look at uh, how Matthew Stafford performed last year. I don't think we should be shocked if Kirk Cousins has a Matthew Stafford-esque season as we saw last year. So I'm with you on that 100%. That is perfect. I will copy and paste that exact line and say that I was the one that came up with it, but it is true. Like (laughs) they're very similar players. They're going in the same tier. Like we talked about last week and you're asking for one of those seasons. Can Kirk cousins, can he throw for 40 touchdowns? It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're going to get a player that is going to get 4,200 yards, maybe even more. And I think 35 touchdowns again is really in the realm of possibilities, maybe more. And the spike weeks, he fits our criteria. Last year's advanced rate was 23.8. I think he can hit above 20 again. So I love Kirk Cousins. I love that offense. I think they're a sneaky bet in a lot of different markets to, to be able to get. But before we get into running backs, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. All right, so we're going to talk about running back league winners. We're not going to mention Aaron Jones because we mention him every episode, right? I mean, the listeners know at this point. I, he also is at the point now where it's like, man, you have to pay up. Like, you, you're you're getting a top 15 to 18 pick on Aaron Jones. It's very different than what we were talking about, what, a month or two ago? Yeah, a month or two ago, it was just silly in, in round three. But you could even argue he's still undervalued. Last year, he was a, a round one, round two turn type player and his opportunity for touches and touchdowns actually is better this year so you could argue he's still undervalued and uh clearly i'm biased because i keep taking him <laughs> yeah and we're also not going to talk about his teammate aj Dillon. i i feel like 
I want to take one of those running backs in every draft. I'll take A.J. Dillon ahead of ADP. So we're not going to talk about those two players. Here's the criteria, and then I'll let you go first. We need somebody that has sustained greatness. So Derrick Henry was great. He was great for a lot of teams last year. Didn't finish the season, okay? So you need that. Um, you need at least five top 12 weeks. And really, at running back, because most players don't play a full season, there's always injuries you have to bake in. You need other running backs to fail. So this is kind of a, a tougher category to find a league winner because every single running back could miss parts of the season. You know, even Dalvin Cook, who we would say is an elite player, like you're probably going to miss two or three games. That's what he's done in his career. So you need other elite running backs to fail in order to get a league winner. Last year was CMC, Derrick Henry, Kamara missed some time, Saquon, even Zeke, who played the whole year, he failed on it on his draft price. You need an elite advance rate. I'm putting it at 22%, which is a little different because you're starting two running backs. Nine running backs accomplished this last year. The top was Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Austin Eckler, Elijah Mitchell, who congratulations if you drafted Elijah Mitchell with your last pick. Um, he was going past pick 200. And then the other top ones were Najee Harris, Melvin Gordon, our boy, Daryl Williams, and Joe Mixon. So, based on that criteria, who's your guy? Well, they say investing in the New England Patriots backfield for fantasy is not good and frustrating, and it's not going to work out. I'm throwing that aside this year, and I'm aggressively targeting Ramondre Stevenson. I think he is a league winner in best ball based off his ADP, going as the RB38. There is a path for Ramondre Stevenson to lead this backfield in touches, not only on the ground, but also the receiving, which is what I'm really excited about with Stevenson. The rationale here, when you look at Damian Harris and his archetype, he's an early down grinder, and he's actually a pretty good runner of the football, so don't hear what I'm not saying. He's, he's good for what he does in his role, but Ramondre Stevenson can come in and step in as the passing down back because Brandon Bolden, who was their leading receiver out of the backfield last year, is now off the roster. James White has a serious hip issue. Truthfully, we don't know even know if he's going to play this year. And behind him, Pierre Strong was a late round rookie pick out of the FCS who in minicamp was only returning kicks. So the path seems very clear that Ramondre Stevenson could be the dude. And last year in his opportunity, you know, he was awesome, especially from efficiency. I went to, to PFF, looked at their data among running backs with 50 plus carries last year, 13th in rushing grade, 10th in elusive rating. So he broke a ton of tackles and eighth in yards per route run, meaning when he gets passing down work, he's efficient. It's a good offensive line that's ranked top 10 according to PFF. You could talk me into a scenario where Ramondre Stevenson does exactly what Damian Harris did last year, and he's a huge win rate guy this year. So love Stevenson. I've been scooping him up as my RB3 everywhere. I like the price, and oh, yeah. you know there's upside. I think you and I haven't really drafted Damian Harris at all. Um, I'm wondering if Harris is going to get to a point where he does become a value because everyone looks at TD regression, but he's still not there for me. Like, where I'm just, he's on the board. We know that he's a very clear, you know, first, second down running back. He didn't see one target on third down last year. So, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I like Ramondre Stevenson. I like him for the upside. What do you think his ceiling is? I mean, Damian Harris last year came out and had an outlier touchdown season and finished, where was he in? Top 15, right? He was RB13. RB13, right, exactly. So if Ramondre Stevenson finished as like the RB17 or something like that, I would not be shocked at all. That's that's the game that you're playing is 
Can he finish above RB38? And I think if he finishes even like RB25, you have a massive win right there. And that's my argument for my player who I don't think I've talked to you at all about this. I've been hiding my feelings uh, about, an, about Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Antonio Gibson, for some reason, continues to drop in drafts to the point where he is now the RB23. That is so low for a player whose first two years been RB1 in both, both years. My question, and I'm really asking the answer here, what has changed for this player in terms of his situation from his first and second season? Brian Robinson. God, see, I I cannot get behind a fourth-round running back. I love Alabama football. I cannot get behind a fourth-round running back being the one that's going to take away touches from a player who this team trusts on early downs and we know that he can be an efficient pass catcher. When McKissick went out last year, he averaged four or five targets a game. And obviously McKissick's back. But can he return better than RB23? Like he's somebody you get in the late sixth round that if you pounded wide receiver early or you got an early tight end, I'm totally fine with Antonio Gibson being my RB2. And I think he can finish inside the top 15. Thoughts? I think he can finish inside the top 15. There's certainly paths to that. The tricky thing is right now, we don't know who's going to get goal line work, which, you know, you're talking about touchdowns and best ball is what we care about for Washington. There's a report that it could be Brian Robinson because the team values his ball security. You know, Gibson had some fumbling issues the last couple of years. I've heard some rumors that they want to kind of limit his touches to around 15 per game. So it just really, there's so many unknowns and that's why his ADP keeps falling. And the other thing that I think just psychologically as, as fantasy players, you talk yourself into what would have been if McKissick landed in Buffalo. And we all had that narrative for three or four days where it was like, all right, it's Gibson season. Here we go. And now it just feels like, eh, I'm done with him. Like, let's move on. So I think I agree with you. At some point, he's going to be a massive value. I wouldn't be shocked if we look at August and he's going outside of the top 24 if Brian Robinson starts to get some buzz. So I think he's a player I'm kind of having my eye on to maybe start to take later in the summer when his ADP falls. But I get your argument, and I see where you're coming from. But I do get the concerns as well from the public that, like, hey, he might not get the workload that we want. This was me basically playing the game of how does the public feel about this player? And in a massive tournament, it feels like people are just straight up fading him where I've got him in the seventh round in a couple of drafts. So we know that he's been a touchdown scorer. Like, in his first season, he averaged touchdown every 15 carries, which is insane. Last year, it was every 37. Let's say he meets somewhere in the middle, like every 23, 24 carries. That's solid. Like, I think you're going to, you could get double digit touchdowns from him. You can get, you know, 1,200 scrimmage yards. And here's my really, really good thought out argument his quarterback is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz last year, if you remember, supported the, the RB1. So, <laughs> so take that and tweet it. Yeah, dude. He was his handoffs to Jonathan Taylor were elite last year. <laughs> I really thought about tweeting out that take, and I was like, "There is somebody who's going to take this too seriously." Oh yeah, and they're going to go, what, "What are you talking about?" Anyway, I like Antonio Gibson, and maybe it's the contrarian in me that's like, I feel like he has a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And the only thing that has changed is them drafting a fourth round running back, which I would argue the hit rates are super low of them being not just relevant in year one, but just relevant period. So I'm much lower on him, you know, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, who's a fifth round pick. Like these kind of players are outliers when they do hit. And so I'd rather go for a player that I've seen do it twice. We know that he's an elite athlete and he's in his third year. 
So I, I'm I'm a fan. Washington's offensive line did get worse. I will give them that. And would we say their quarterback situation got better? Actually, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I would okay, say good. that. A lot of the advanced metrics that you look at for quarterback play did improve when you go from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz. That said, I mean, let's get Terry McLaurin a quarterback. Come on. Yeah, and I'm glad he signed his extension. Were you happy for your boy? Oh, yeah. I was, dude, you know I've been on the Terry train for years now, and uh, there's no reason I'm backing off now. All right, let's hit wide receivers and tight ends before wrapping around. For wide receivers, I'm putting a couple of criteria here because I looked at the advance rate last year. There were 15 wide receivers that were above the 22% uh, advance rate, and a lot of them were ADP values. So Cooper Cup was in a different stratosphere, the best advance rate, the best win rate that we've seen in best ball tens over the last six years. So Cooper Cup is an outlier. Debo Samuel, Cordell Patterson, depending on the site that you got to play him at, wide receiver. But we're looking at 22% advance rate. We're looking at a team that you can hop on board their offense. Like I want an offense that's top 10 in points per game. And then another question I have here, it's really hard to find this, but can you find a player that can hit double digit touchdowns? So like Mike Williams last year, was in a spot where it's like, sweet, you are getting this value on an offense we like and someone that could hit double-digit touchdowns. So you have on here Alan Lazard. Is he someone that can hit that double-digit mark? That's really the argument here for Alan Lazard is, like you said, we want to try to find pass to touchdowns. And when you talk about spike weeks, like in week 16, week 17, if you're fortunate enough to advance to the playoffs in best ball mania, like, Alan Lazard has a two-touchdown game in him, for sure, in the right week. Last year, with Devontae Adams on the roster, the dude had eight touchdowns. Now you lose so many, you know, targets, not only in the red zone, but inside the 10-yard line that Devontae Adams would give you on those screen passes, um, you know, the back shoulder throws, those sort of things. Alan Lazard can certainly... I think fill in in some capacity. He's not going to be Devonta Adams, obviously, but if he walked away this year with 10 touchdowns or 11 touchdowns, I don't think we should be surprised because we know Aaron Rodgers is going to produce and get his touchdowns. And we love Aaron Jones. We love AJ Dillon for what they're going to offer to you. But those guys have some ceiling in their receiving, right? It can't go all go to them. Alan Lazard is going to be this team's wide receiver one. I feel very confident in that for a while. It was shocking to me that Christian Watson was going in the same range as as Alan Lazard. When you look at the hit rate for Green Bay wide receivers, especially a rookie who played four years in the FCS and only caught 43 uh, balls as his best season for Christian Watson, I find it hard to believe he's going to emerge as the wide receiver one. I want Lazard for sure at his wide receiver 43 price tag. If he turns around and finishes as like wide receiver 28 or 29, we should not be surprised at all. And I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes. Yeah, and I think the spike weeks, those two touchdown games, the game where he goes for, you know, 101, like, those are going to happen. So I'm glad that in our rankings, we planted a flag a long time ago that said, hey, Alan Lazard is a clear wide receiver one here. I also have zero Robert Tunyon, and I know that, you know, a lot of injury stuff has popped up recently, like he could be a candidate for the pup. Like, it's Alan Lazard, and it's those running backs. I don't know, I'm not really taking a shot at anyone else. Like, I guess you could take one at the very end of your draft, like a Romeo Dobbs or something, but are you are you thinking anybody else in that offense? I've taken Dobbs a couple times. He's interesting. But yeah, I think the three that you want to focus on are Lazard and the two running backs for sure. And of course, I like Ion Lazard because of what I think Aaron Rodgers can do at his ADP. We didn't talk about him as a league winner, but Aaron Rodgers consistently can be your quarterback too if you go with those builds. 
where you take one in round six, seven, eight, and then grab him in like 10 or 11. I mean, that sounds awesome to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback too. So stack him with Alan Lazard and, uh, and these running backs and let's win some money. Yeah. Beating his ADP. That's the, the name of the game here for league winners. And I'm going to go right back to it. I really believe it's Chris Olave that he will be the rookie wide receiver. It's, it's between him and Drake London that I think will finish as the rookie wide receiver one. And a wide receiver 48, it shocks me that his ADP has dropped recently. I know that Jarvis Landry was signed, but Michael Thomas is on a free fall. And Olave is almost outside of the top 100 picks. That just doesn't make sense to me that a player they would trade up for, a player that we think is super talented, and a player that I think you and I would say is NFL ready. Like, he doesn't need two years to sit around. They traded up to get him. I think he's going to be an awesome win rate player. And where you're getting him in your draft, he can be your wide receiver four or wide receiver five. So I, if I got three spike weeks from Chris Olave and he finishes at wide receiver 36, I would be so happy. Like that's, that's all you're asking for. I think his ceiling is even higher than that. The other thing too that I like about taking some rookies in this range, you know, Drake London, Chris Olave, those types, is that especially in best ball, you're not relying on them most likely to be your wide receiver one or two, especially early in the year. Like you said, we know the post buy rookie bump in terms of production is a real thing based off historical data. So when you're looking for your teams to kind of hit their peak and hit their ceiling, as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs, we can confidently say these rookies should have a better role than they have in weeks one, two, three, four. And so, yeah, you can take Chris Olave, hope you get some spike weeks early in the season, but just hope that he pops off as the year goes on. And, you know, man, if, if Kamara misses six games as being reported uh, as potential or Michael Thomas just isn't himself coming off this ankle issue, like Chris Olave has paths to lead this team in targets. I'm really, I'm struggling if he is, he's the my guy. Is, is that just it? With a rookie, that's a, that's a lot to say. I also say, I saw uh, on Twitter that people responded to your thread, who's a league winner. Uh, they, they said Miles Sanders. I can't tell you how many teams I have Miles Sanders and Chris Olave together because they play in week 17. Um, just, I mean, they should just write me the check now. I mean, why, why draft another team? We're done. All right, let's quickly do tight ends before wrap it around. With tight ends, it's all over the map because early tight end kind of failed last year, I mentioned before. Uh, if you didn't have Mark Andrews, then I'm sorry. You had to basically have Gronk. Last year, we saw 10 tight ends above the 20% advance rate. And here's even crazier stat. Nine of the top 10 tight ends in advance rate last year went past pick 150. That's not always going to be the case, but I'm doing my tight end advance article right now, and it's crazy how last year, if you just punted tight end and you picked the right three, you were in a really good spot. I think that's going to return back. So quickly give me your league winning candidate for tight end. Yeah, that's a wild stat when you mentioned that about all these guys going so late. I'm looking at the list like Dawson Knox, Jack Doyle, Zach Ertz was left for dead, and he had resurgence there in Arizona. And uh, and Dalton Schultz is also on the list. I think he is back on the list this year. He is my league winner at tight end, and you are paying up for it a little bit. You know, he's going right around pick 80, tight end six off the board. So you're not sneaking by anyone with this. But when I look at offenses, you know, that can potentially lead the league in scoring, as Dallas did a year ago, I'm trying to find ones that can finish inside the top 10 or can finish inside the top five because that would mean more touchdown equity for my tight end. And when you're looking at guys not named, you know, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, those types of players, 
you need to have outlier touchdown weeks to be good for your best ball roster because you're not going to get it done with yardage. I think Dalton Schultz can be one of those guys who walks away from the season with somewhere in the range of 8 to 10 touchdowns because Dak Prescott is going to throw touchdowns. You look at last year, 44% of Dallas's targets from inside the 10-yard line are now gone with Amari Cooper off the roster. And while CeeDee Lamb, I think, is a candidate to pop off this year, Dalton Schultz, man, couldn't finish inside the top three at the, at the position as he did a year ago, ran the third most routes at the position. So give me Dalton Schultz. I love him stacked with Dak Prescott this year. Early on, he was the tight end that I was taking the most. It was either him or Kittle, of course. But I, I like Dalton Schultz. I know he's had the contract stuff recently, but they'll probably get something done. He, I mean, he's going to probably end up with the second most targets on the team, right? I would think so, especially Michael Gallup, probably going to start on Pup. Um, you're looking at other names like James Washington. He's never been able to earn targets in his career. Why would that change now going to a new system and a new team? And people are excited about Jalen Tolbert. Like his ADP is kind of getting uh, hiked up the board. It's a third round rookie who played four years at South Alabama. And like you said, these hit rates are so low. So it all points to Dalton Schultz having an opportunity to be the second uh, on the team of targets. Jalen Tolbert has risen more than any other wide receivers over the last month and a half in best ball ADP over 30. Picks. I can't get on board with that. I can't. Yeah. I, there's another name we're going to talk about that his ADP has risen the second most, and I think you and I are both on board. It's Paris Campbell. Um, all right, I'm going to finish off with tight end. It's Gerald Everett. I wrote an entire article on the site called Gerald Everett and a history of fantasy tight ends coming out of nowhere. It's a fun read, people. But I'll just say this. We want tight ends on good offenses. If he caught seven-plus touchdowns, that wouldn't you know freak me out at all from Justin Herbert. He's going at tight end 18. I think he beats that ADP, and I'll also add that I think I'm coming around to I'd rather make up through quantity with tight ends than if I miss on an early tight end. If I just miss, then it costs me so much more than what I can make it up. So I've been finding that I've loved my teams that have three tight ends on them where I can get somebody later. Like I had a team where it's Dallas Goddard, Gerald Everett, and another one of my players I almost put in here, David Njoku. I just think that you can make it up that way. For sure. And actually, the data last year was pretty strong for three tight end builds. And it's because a lot of these late round guys hit. So, yeah, if you miss, you know, on this tier that goes in the first, you know, six, seven tight ends, like I'm not reaching to take guys early in round 10 or round 11. I'm just waiting for the value to fall and I'll try to make it up with quantity, like you said. All right. Before we go, I wanted to get in some quick questions. So let's go with uh, a rapid round. It's time for Rapid Round. And those of you that have never heard that drop before, that is found only on the FootCast, the once-a-week episode that Andy, Mike, and Jason give to Foot Clan listeners. That is a really fun show. Even somebody that works in the office, I listen to that show every single week because we give behind-the-scenes look. Uh, that goes out to every single person on Thursday. That's a Foot Clan member. You can get in your questions. So, yes, highly recommend if you want to get on the FootCast. That's where that drop comes from. Let's blitz through these really quickly, Bets. Name a player who will hurt best ball drafters the most, a.k.a. the LVP. Oh, man. I'm going to say it, and it's scary to say it. It's Josh Allen. How and dare you? I, I know. I want to point people to Kyle's article that just came out last week <laughs> called Best Ball Quarterback Tiers, Advanced Rates, and Players to Target in 2022. And it's all about opportunity costs. The quarterback one in best ball historically has been awful for your team. You're taking him in the third round. I went back to best ball tens, looked at their highest advance rate for quarterbacks. 
or I should say it's win rate, sorry, not an advanced rate, win rates for quarterbacks that were taken first overall. 2021, Pat Mahomes, 9%. That was 10th best. 2022, Lamar Jackson at 4.1%, 38th best at the position. Mahomes again, 33rd in 2019. Aaron Rodgers was 14th in 2018. And Aaron Rodgers again in 2017 was 39th. So if you take Josh Allen as the quarterback one, there is no other option. He has to be elite and he has to finish as the quarterback one. And you're passing on... I mean, elite running back and wide receivers to take him. So for me, give me Trey Lance way later in my draft than Josh Allen in in round three. I'm totally with you, but it's scary to be able to say that. I'm going to say something just as scary. I'm going to say Cooper Cup. And I want to run away when I say this, but since 2015, 16 wide receivers have been taken in the first eight picks of a draft. Cooper Cup is routinely going as the 102 or the 103. There's been only three receivers that have returned a win rate on best ball tens above 10%. And that player was Antonio Brown all three times. Okay. So you just need Cooper cup to be historic. I think Matthew Stafford's touchdowns through the air come down a ton. I think they get a couple more touchdowns on the ground. So yes, you and I just named the quarterback one and the wide receiver one (laughs) as players. That'll be the least valuable players. Perfect. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? All right, let's go a little bit faster. Name a sneaky stack that you like. I mean, the Kirk Cousins love on this podcast is real. So I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, and I'm going to go with one of his wide receivers. That's KJ Osborne, who had six games as a top 24 wide receiver last year. If we get a lot of three wide receiver sets from uh, the Rams system coming over, like we said, they could throw a ton. Kirk Cousins and KJ Osborne should connect for a couple of deep balls. So I like him at his ADP if you want to get sneaky with your stack. I'm going to go with Matt Ryan and Paris Campbell, who is the second highest riser in ADP over the last month and a half. You can still get him at pick 188. So if you want a Colt stack, let's say you did get Jonathan Taylor, finish the stack, like get Matt Ryan, QB 20, get Paris Campbell a little bit later. You don't have Michael Pittman, um, and I know Paris Campbell can't finish the season, but I will take five or six weeks where he is usable, and at the end of your draft, that's good enough. Name another random wide receiver that's ending up on a ton of your rosters. My exposure to Robbie Anderson is absolutely How? terrifying. <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Going as the wide receiver 73, I mean, what can go wrong? And the rationale here is that this guy has been left for dead, where not even that long ago, the dude was like a fifth or sixth round pick, and it's because there was opportunity in this offense to connect on deep targets, and that's what I really want to chase. So last year, he saw 19. He caught just three of them. It was basically the second worst in football, 16% of those catches. If that regresses, let's say he catches seven or eight of those and a couple go for touchdowns. He's a player who's going so late that he's going to end up in your lineup a few times throughout the year. And that's what we're looking for at these late round dart throws. What about Terrace Marshall Jr. though? Yep. It's over, buddy. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm digging, I'm digging my grave (laughs) even deeper. I'm going to be in Uh, my random wide receiver. I did not think this would be possible, but it's DJ Chark. Someone I faded completely last year. He's wide receiver 68. I think he finishes above that. That's, that's just all I'm going to say. I think you can get, three spike weeks from him two or three thoughts i mean that's my argument for robbie anderson so i can't really argue against it (laughs) all right give us a rookie to throw on the end of your roster i mean we talked about antonio gibson right i'm just going to throw out brian robinson because he's going as the rb 59 it's pick 195 you're going to get him in round 17 or 18 if the reports are true and brian robinson falls into the end zone seven eight times this year at the 17th or 18th round pick that you're getting him, he will be a high win rate player. So I'm taking shots with Robinson where I do not take Antonio Gibson. Okay, so you're basically predicting injury to Antonio Gibson. Of course, that's what we do. 
gosh. Now, I can't get behind this take because of what I said with Antonio Gibson. Uh, <laughs> Contractually I cannot, obligated to, get, to not get behind this take. <laughs> I, I'm going to give a really good take. Old man, Valus Jones, the rookie. Uh, you can take pass pick 200. I get it. He's a bear. I get it. He's old. But he has special teams chops. I like that. That usually translates from college to the pros. And everyone's discredited him. So I will throw him at the end of my bench and hope to get two or three weeks with, that are usable um, and different than anyone else. All right, and last question. Name a player whose ADP in August will be much earlier than it is right now. You talked about it, man. Paris Campbell. We can just replay this every year. Crushing in OTAs, crushing in minicamp, <laughs> crushing in training camp, and then all of a sudden does nothing for us. But yeah, he's going in the 16th round right now. Don't be surprised if he's going around 13, round 14 in August. Okay, my answer to this one is the same one I said earlier. I think it's DJ Chark. I think it's crazy to me that Jameson Williams is going ahead of him, knowing that Jameson Williams is... I don't know, not going to play till November. And then you have to hope that he has a crazy breakout till the end of the year. So I think that we're going to get news about Jameson Williams, you know, being placed on injured reserve. And then what we're going to get is DJ Chark's ADP moving up. So wide receiver 68, take him there all day. I think he's going to end up more like wide receiver 55, which uh, is a nice spot to be in. So don't hate it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, next week we're going to be talking more best ball. We're going to be talking about a live draft coming up here that some of you can participate in. We've got a lot of good stuff here in the summer. Um, I'm really, really, really excited about it. Bets, sign us off. Will do. What a show, man. We, we talked about Terrace Marshall. <laughs> we talked about Robbie. We talked about your boy DJ Chark. So go get these guys on your roster and, uh, and have some fun. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.